Hallelujah. Reverend Akiyaji for Yahweh here on Love Live Rock Reality Radio. And we are on a quest for the best of Yahweh. Hallelujah. We just thank you today, Yah, for being so good to us. For all you've done, all you're doing, and all you're about to do, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are in the Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 3, for the 12th of Wisdom Study. And I'd like to let you know, if it's not in the Holy Writings, we do not teach it. Simply put, no adding to, no subtracting from Revelation 22. This is a cover-to-cover two-year Bible study where we'll read and study the words of Yah's wisest man of all time, next to the Messiah himself, King Solomon, son of King David. The four books we study in are the Mishal, or the Mishal, which are the Proverbs, the Shur Hashirim, which is the Song of Songs, and I'd like to note that these are the parables or love letters, courtship between Yahweh and Yahweh, <clears throat> as well as the Quahalit, which is the Ecclesiastes and the Wisdom of Solomon, are the, uh, the Apocalyptic book. Approximately eight times over the course of two years, we will broadcast a one-hour power hour daily. This daily habit is especially recommended for all of ministers in training. Or, I'm sorry, all of ministers, ex-ministers in training, and those both been transformed in and transformed out. Everyone in Yeshua's body of believers is welcome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, we know that you are a prayer-answering God, and we just thank you for the opportunity to serve you again today. We just come before you seeking your wisdom, seeking your guidance, and just wanting to emulate you more and more, and we know that you are the target, Father. We know that... Yeshua is the target, and we just ask that you would anoint the reading, hearing, or the reading and hearing of this word to our hearts, Father, and that you would uh, bring a message like none other through our Shaliah, Kevin Rock Christ. In the name of Yeshua, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Song of Solomon, chapter three. By night on my bed, I sought him, Alistair, whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now and go about in the city, in the streets, and in the broad places. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I did not find him. The one watching, going about in the city, found me. I said, have you seen him whom my soul loves? When I had passed on from them, it was a little while until I found him whom my soul loves. Seized him, and I did not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the room of her who conceived me. O daughters of Jerusalem, swear the oath, swear it seven times by the those of the field. Behold his bed, Solomon. Sixty men are around of the mighty men of Israel. They all hold the sword each man has a sword on his side from dread in the night. King Solomon made himself a litter of the streets of Lebanon. He made its poles of silver, its back of gold, its feet of purple, its middle was paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. 
Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see the king of peace with the crown with which his mother crowned him on his wedding day, even on the day of the gladness of his heart. Hallelujah. And that concludes the reading of the Song of Solomon, chapter 3. And I'd like to introduce our uh, teacher today, our overseer and Shaliach Apostle Rebrach. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our King Yeshua. What I love about the aspects within the Song of Solomon, it's one of my favorite books, is the fact that these are so prophetic and so poetic and so uh, doctrinally accurate and powerful to what we live in our husband and bride relationship as the bride of Messiah Yeshua in how we at first when we had him start to uh, try to just try to have a relationship with us we rejected him that's that's really where we are when we are in Song of Solomon 1. We're at the rejection mode of man when, you know, Yahweh is trying to show us love and we just, we just would rather pick the world. And we're all about the world and all the things that the world has to offer. And every time that Yahweh tries to throw something at us to try to get our attention, he's flirting with us. He's, he's trying to to come on to us he's coming on like this this person that's just really really passionately crazy about us and we just reject 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 that's that's the beginning of where this all starts in song of solomon one and by the time we get to song of solomon two you know we're, we're starting to to allow the the courtship really to to develop we're starting to let you know our, our our guard down we're starting to see if i can trust this uh relationship at all that's really a, a big part of where we are and two is, is we're actually starting to do that there's no trust really in the first chapter the second chapter really starts to come around but by the time we get to the chapter that we're in here today what we see is now a turnabout face. We see that we are actually, right from the first verse, we are actually seeking Yeshua. Okay, the first verse, that's what that's all about. And see, this is where a lot of people, they don't understand the prophetic in this. They don't understand the love that is being expressed back and forth here. It says in verse 1, you know, uh, whom my soul loves. Okay, whom my soul loves. All right, I sought him whom my soul loves. That's I sought Yeshua. I sought him. So we've made the turn now by the time we get to the third chapter where it's not just him pursuing us, but now we've got ourselves to a place of vulnerability we've hit the rock bottom reality we realize 
that trying to do this life without him is not a good deal. It's not a good option. It's not the way that we should go. And we should probably surrender our will and start to just love and receive that love. In fact, I'm going to seek that love. So the ask, the seek, and the knock, this is where we are when we're in the Gospels. The Gospels connect to this prophetic verse right from the get-go. We see this. Uh, we, we see two. First off, we see the night, okay? And by, by night, when we're talking about the night, uh, it's, it's the affections that are working towards him is what we're seeing out of this uh, and, and composing themselves sleeping the affections were working towards him so if we go to the sought part we're seeking Yeshua we're seeking Yeshua's grace grace and his powerful presence in our life and then there's a, a repetition of the seeking all right, that we see in here which is denoting like a, a perseverance or an unweariedness. So we are uh, going into now the, the, the chapter, the verse that would say that we are the, or he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We need to seek him diligently. We need to understand this is his will, is for us to seek him like he just sought us. In the first two verses remember we're created in his image so he loved us while we were still yet sinners that's chapter one and two and he's still loving us even while we're learning to love him so there's an ongoing love there's an ongoing commitment that we find in this relationship that is just beautiful it's so beautiful and it's so consistent that nothing can shake, break, or take us from this relationship. See, in the chapter one, we were rejecting him. In the chapter one, we were not even opening ourselves up to it. We didn't even realize how much he loved us. He loved us while we were still yet sinners, while we were oblivious. To the truth we didn't have a clue we were just wandering around out there lost but it's his love that found us this is what we see in this song of solomon series is is each different chapter takes us another step in these eight chapters it takes us step by step by step in the relationship that we as man literally literally now we're, we're in the literal yes we're in the prophetic yes we're in the poetic but we are also in the literal here of how it really is with the way that the average man average woman is going to deal with this lover called Yah that is pursuing us.
He loved us. While we were still yet sinners. He loved us. I'm doing my work with uh, my, uh, my technical company as well um, to make sure that uh, all the servers are running smooth because, you know, we do have technology that's running all this stuff for us to be on these lines together. And uh, there's behind-the-scenes people, and I'm one of them, <laughs> and I'm in front of the scenes, I guess. I'm behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. But, uh, yeah, doing all of that. And we started broadcasting. I, I was on at around 5 this morning. So I am just having a, a tremendous time. i got to tell you, seven hours into the day, and I am just so into Yahweh. I am so fired up. I have so much energy. You know, you would think that by committing more, you'd be more tired. But by increasing my commitment increasing my intensity all that's happened is i am getting more energy i have more love flowing through me i have more blessings coming all over the place because yahweh is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him which is exactly where we're at in the message so let's get back to that hallelujah hallelujah i love the truth because the truth sets us free so we see this repetition here in this first verse that's denoting the, the, the perseverance of us as the bride. We persevere. We, with an unweariedness, we seek him. We cannot grow weary in well-doing. We cannot grow weary in seeking the love of the Father. Because he loves us. It's never been in question. All that's ever been in question from the beginning of time is do we love him? And will we be obedient to him? Will we trust him? So he starts out showing exactly the way it is in the first chapter. He loves us and pursues us when we don't even get it. We don't even have a clue. And by the second chapter, we warm up a little bit. But by this chapter... It's role reversal time. Now we're starting to realize, I need to seek him. And we're seeking him with a passion. And, you know, the found him not part of this is, uh, you know, he had withdrawn these manifestations of his love, you know, and, and we know that he's done this to David, which is Solomon's father as well, that sometimes, you know, it seems like he's not there. Did you ever notice that? Like you're going through? Well, that happened to several people in the Word where it's very clearly written out and all of a sudden it seems like he's not there. And because we had not sought him diligently and we had abused his favor. So you will find plenty of scriptures that will connect the dots to show that we abuse Yahweh in this relationship. If there was ever the creators of dysfunctional family, if there was ever the creators of a dysfunctional relationship, if there was ever uh, codependency that was brought into this situation, it was never created by Yahweh. He didn't create the junk. He allowed the junk to happen by our bad will choice because we didn't do the free will choice of choosing His way, the way of Yahweh. We chose our way, which we thought was right, because a man is going to think in his own heart 
if he leans onto his own understanding, that is, that he's right. He's going to think he's correct. When in reality, he's not. He's not correct at all. So we have to learn from this. We have to see this. In the second verse, okay, we see the city. This is the city of Yah. Okay? This is the congregation where Yeshua resides. Okay? And when we start looking at, you know, broad ways, okay, this is this is when we're not looking for him. We're not we're not finding him in our private prayer and in our meditation. See, we have to realize that there's hindrances. If, if people would get that there's hindrances to prayer, like we do things wrong, we're disobedient, and one of the consequences is that our prayers don't get answered, he's not going to answer you because you're being naughty. Let me ask you this. When your kid is sitting there and is being sassy to you after you've been trying to discipline the kid and get the kid to behave and and be a good kid but they're being sassy do you want to give any favor to that kid do you want to bless that kid do you want to go ahead and oh let me go get you some ice cream because you're being so naughty right now sounds pretty insane right but as insane as that sounds we don't get how insane it is that when we're disobedient or naughty that we still expect Yahweh to give us ice cream. And see, when we're in the relationship with him and we look at the husband and the bride relationship, or at this point, the girlfriend and the boyfriend, that's more where we're at, you know, at this point, as these two are starting to do the dating process in Song of Solomon, we see a real, real dating process that is struggling because now in this private prayer and in this meditation where we're seeking him even in places of public assemblies and, and, and public you know types of ordinances we're not going to always see the grace it, there's going to be a delay on it okay and it's going to take some time for that to unfold, for that to open up for us. And hopefully we'll get obedient quickly. Hopefully we'll repent. Hopefully we'll have a lot of remorse in our heart. And we'll ask him to forgive us. Because I think all of those types of things expedite the process of getting the favor or the amazing grace back in place that we really don't deserve. It's not something we deserve. Don't ever kid yourself. You do not deserve it. It is unmerited favor that we are getting. The watchmen, these these are, you know, as we go forward in, in verse 3, we're seeing the watchmen. These are ministers of Yeshua, and these are the royal priesthood, the people that are overseers, okay? And uh, when we're talking about, like, you know, the going about, this is, you know, uh, to make sure that the dangers and, and the disorders are, are no uh, threat to us, 
but that we are staying under the blood hedge protection of him who saves us who protects us because he is our husband and as a husband is supposed to protect their bride their wife he is that for us he is there to put that blood hedge of protection around us the blood of Yeshua covers us and keeps us safe from harm of course he's not named here uh, but you know <laughs> uh, we definitely know in all his excellency of who this person or should I say this spirit being is when we just simply refer to him as him you know, for a person without discernment, they get real confused by all these hymns. They don't know who people are talking about. They don't understand any prophetic inferences that, that would be the underlying factor of what the depth of the story is even coming from. So, we can definitely know who this husband is, by all means. It's Yeshua who meets us and he manifests his love to us and when we see as we're going forward into the fourth verse we see the mother's house that this is the spouse here is is you know signifying basically there's there's particular believers that are out there okay and this would connect us to Galatians 4 and 26, if you want to open your Bibles to Galatians 4, 26, because there's definitely some powerful things that we can connect the dots on here. And it's really important that you see these dots connecting, because it will make the whole story make that much more sense. Okay? So it says, but the Yerushalayim, which is above, is free, who is the mother of us all. So now we're referring to the mother being connected to or being Yerushalayim. The new heaven and the new earth, as it's going to come down, we're going to see this. Because the spouse is signifying the particular believers, for her mother is what we would call the universal church or the true Yerushalayim which you know it, it, it's coming down to us we don't go up to it so this is the new heaven and the new earth is Yerushalayim which is the mother of us all and which is Yeshua and the believers uniting coming together with the Moloks the Moloks that are there worshipping him that are all on assignment as messengers of truth. Hallelujah. And we, we get to have this sweet communion together in verse 5. That's, what, that's what's beautiful is the unity or the achad that we see, which the believers are, are said to, to bring forth Yeshua by faith and by prayer. Now when we see 
the the conception here is that Yeshua is as it were the, the father that begets and the the congregational mother that conceives and brings forth believers this is the new birth process we're talking about because if we come together with him and we are having this spiritual relationship with him as a bride and he as a father when we come together spiritually there is a spiritual birthing that will come from us and that's how people become born again so we are definitely as his body part of this process because it takes a body to produce a birth I know this is really deep for some people they really get confused and I just pray by the blood of Yeshua that this is not confusing to you but with all clarity right now as discernment will come upon you that you can definitely see where the Holy Spirit is trying to bring this forth and really trying to get you to understand that if this was not clear to you, let it be clear to you this day. If this was not clear to you, let it become clear to you this day that it is us that is the body for a reason that that body that we are it takes a body to birth something so the spiritual birth that is happening is because of the spiritual relationship not the spiritual adultery not the spiritual fornication but now the pure spiritual relationship that we have with the the husband us as his bride as we are consummating in the spiritual context and and definition we are birthing born again believers from the love relationship that we are having with him this is really deep stuff I don't know if this is over your heads or not but I really want you to get this today because I think there's a lot here that the Holy Spirit can really really bring forth because this is Yeshua begetting and this is you know as a father and this is us as a body a mother that's conceiving and bringing forth or born again experiences it's deep I know it's deep but I hope you got this today
is the one that comes out of the wilderness like the pillars of smoke? Who is this? This who, okay, is speaking of the daughters of Yerushalayim, who upon occasion of the bride's speech to them will make this reply that the person spoken of is the spouse. All right? So to understand the daughters of Yerushalayim and, and how the spouse spousal situation here is important. This is all about from, I mean, you need to understand if, if you really see a theme from the beta sheet or Genesis all the way through to the revelation of this husband, bride, husband, wife relationship, then you're starting to really get how amazing this book is. Because you have to read this book from a Hebrew perspective from all four dimensions. You cannot read it from an English or United States of America perspective because we, we think with a dual perspective. We don't think four, four level dimensional and sometimes Yahweh can even take us even further than four dimensions. We're like in a matrix at times. It's so intense. There's a lot of dimensions to this. So, when we look at the bride's speech, we know we're talking about the spouse. So when we look at the wilderness, these are people that are out there, if we were to refer to, would be considered similar to Moses out there in the wilderness. They were lost people. They were not found. They were not born again. They were not going to have salvation. They weren't even going to get their sins rolled ahead for another year because they were the children of disobedience wandering around in the wilderness. I'm here to encourage you today to not be one that wanders, but to be one that is found. Don't just be a wandering generality. Don't just be one that's out there floating around. See, when we mess this all up back in the garden, then there were some rules that were made. And, you know, we got these pillars that they're talking about of smoking. And when we see this, we know that we're talking about the wilderness, don't we? Because this was the miraculous that was on Moses. Now, you're going to tell me that you got more Holy Ghost going on than Moses did? That's what's so crazy about these people. They almost, these people from the, from the modern charismatic churches, okay, that are in this grace, this hyper grace type mindset, they act as if they got more anointing or that they're something special over Moses. Moses had the anointing, guys. Let's see you do some of the miracles that Yahweh did through Moses. You're going to tell me he didn't have the Holy Ghost? Now, he maybe didn't have tongues and interpretation and prophecy and word of knowledge, different things like that. He had a different set of circumstances under the Levitical priesthood than what we have under the royal priesthood. Now, if somebody under the royal priesthood and are really in this thing and really are the adopted sons of Yahweh, the real wild branch that's being grafted in, if you truly are his bride and you have truly done the work to get without the wrinkles, the spots, and the blemishes, 
Well, then, yeah, you should be, like, higher than Moses' material here. And we should start seeing some major miracles coming out of your works, coming out of your hands. Lives should be changing because of what you're doing out there. Deliverance should be coming for anybody you're talking to because you're talking as one with authority. I can guarantee you when Scott Scribe Pratt is teaching and there's great things coming out of his belly and he's really just letting it flow like I've heard him do a lot lately, I guarantee you lives are being transformed. That's why they have such a high regard for the teacher in the renewed covenant and they they speak so highly about the teacher because see we've already got the Adamic covenant we've already got the Noadic covenant we've already got the Abrahamic covenant we've already got the Mosaic covenant right we've already got the uh, Dawidic covenant and and we've already got the covenant of the promise of prophetic through Jeremiah. So we've got all these covenants. See, that's what's, that's another thing that's just crazy about people from the, the charismatic, you know, uh, movement and they, they think they understand so much and they, and they talk and they don't even have a clue. They think, you know, if you ask them, well, how many covenants are there? They say two. There's a new and an old, right? No, 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 no. Didn't you hear what I just said? Let's go through it again. There's an Adamic covenant. That's Adam and Eve, the covenant that was made with Adam. Okay? Then there was a Noadic covenant. That was with Noah. And he promised several things in that covenant. See, people think, because... They don't study to show themselves approved, a workman on the Yahweh. People think that they understand a lot of things that they really don't. I'm here to tell you that the Torah did not come to Moses first. <clears throat> the Torah was already around long before Moshe or Moses. Already by the, by the Noadic commandments, there were seven commandments that were already in place. Now, they didn't come on stone, and Noah didn't climb up to a mountain and get come down with two tablets of stone and get mad and throw them to the ground because they were worshiping a calf. But nonetheless, they had seven commandments already in place number one not to worship idols number two not to curse Yahweh number three to establish a court of justice number four not to murder number five not to commit adultery or incest and number six not to steal and number seven not to eat the flesh of a living animal. And you can find those starting in Genesis 2, okay? And they continue. 
in a bunch of different places in Genesis. So there are answers in your Bible, and all you got to do is understand how to connect the dots. How to connect these dots and realize how significant of a person Noah actually was. And again, when you read the apocryphic books, you start to realize it a lot more. I can't wait till we get into Enoch, because I believe Enoch as the grandfather of Noah, we are going to see a bunch of really cool stuff. And it's going to really wake you guys up about this Bible, because again, most of us have just read Genesis. You know, for, for some people like Brittany, she said... She had never even, with all the churches she had gone to, all the Christians she had hung out with, they never even really encouraged her to read the Old Covenant. And that's sad. Because I believe personally, and, and I, I know Scribe has said these same words, you cannot really understand the New Covenant without the Original Covenant. If you don't understand what he did with Adam, if you don't understand what he did with Noah, if you don't understand what he did with Abraham or Abraham, right? If you don't get all of these different covenants, it's not going to click with you what these very, very well-learned Torah keepers who were entrusted with this thing which I'm talking about Kepha, Peter. I'm talking about Yechan and John. I'm talking about Yahub or James, which was Yeshua's brother, half-brother, through uh, uh, Joseph and Mary, or Yosef and Mary. Um, I'm talking about Yehuda, which is the other half-brother. I'm talking about Shaul. I'm talking about Paul. These were Torah keepers, you guys. They kept these commandments. It was a very serious thing to not sin for them. But for some reason, people make sin like no big deal today. But what sin would be is if, like, like you're married right now or, or any relationship you've ever been in, sin, if you understand this theme of spiritual adultery and what I'm trying to teach on today here and, and, and get the relationship aspect of now we're starting to seek him because now we're starting to bring this relationship together it's not one-sided it's not Yahweh loving us before while we were still yet sinners now we're starting to become believers in in this third chapter and as we start to develop this relationship we know that Yeshua said at this point go and sin no more don't commit adultery. Don't flirt with anyone else. And let me ask you something. If your wife cheated on you, your husband cheated on you, your girlfriend cheated on you, your boyfriend cheated on you, would you be hurt? Would you be hurt? It'd be devastating, wouldn't it? You would be absolutely devastated. And this is why... Yahweh, as our husband, uses this as a word picture because it's something that we have to relate to because if our wife cheated on us, if our husband cheated on us, if our boyfriend cheated on us, if our girlfriend cheated on us, we would be really devastated. 
we would be in pain. We would be like, how could you? Well, guess what? Every time we sin and just think it's no big deal to do this or that or whatever. No big deal. Just a little sin. Everybody sins, don't they? Oh, that's like saying everybody cheats on their wives, don't they? Everybody cheats on their girlfriends. Nobody's faithful. Well, you know what? We may have cheated in the past. We may have committed spiritual adultery in the past. We may have been spiritual fornicators in the past. We may have flirted around with this world and, and flirted around with Satan and actually had sex with Satan instead because we were so dirty and filthy and gross that we would go that far to choose him over Yahweh. But hopefully, somewhere along the line, conviction came in our hearts as we see it here in this third chapter to where there's a turning point for us in our faith. There's a turning point for us in our walk to where we get to the point where we say, you know what, I'm committing now. I am committing right now to Yahweh. Hallelujah. I'm going to commit to my husband and I am not going to commit spiritual adultery anymore. I'm going to take the go and sin no more seriously and I'm going to do this with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. I know this subject of this love relationship that we are supposed to have idealistically with Yahweh and, uh, and I'm just... Uh, really excited about that relationship because I don't commit spiritual adultery uh, anymore. I am faithful. I am counted as the faithful. And uh, I am a son today, but I'm also a bride. And I know it's hard to put yourself into all these different word pictures and all these different scenarios, but they're in there for a reason. And I, I really hope you get that. He wants to relate this to us so that we can see his love for us. So that we can see how we're supposed to have a healthy love relationship with him. And it's definitely, definitely a commitment. It's not something to take lightly. It's like, you know, if you if you were going to be going up, you know, to to marry someone and, you know, right before you were going to go ahead and say I do, you go ahead and you go get laid. If you were the bride and you found out that that guy just got laid right before you were ready to get married, that's how it is with us with Yeshua. We're sitting and, and flirting around while we're walking down the aisle in, in, in these church situations. We're walking down the aisle and we're looking at every other girl. It ain't right. That is not his will. That is not the righteous way. It is not the way it's supposed to be. 
I love the fact that Yahweh has, has totally crucified lust in me and my eyes don't wander anymore. Praise Yah. My eyes used to cause me to sin. I would sit and start fantasizing when there was a beautiful woman in a room and I couldn't, I couldn't overcome that lust for the longest time. But I am so grateful that Yahweh has brought me out of that. Over the years, I've become more and more fixed on Him. And the more intimate I've gotten with Him, the more I can be intimate with a wife and a life that is sin-free. That's what it's all about, folks. It's really about your purity. It's really about cleansing. You know, Brittany's been doing a detox lately. We've got to detox ourselves. Cleanse ourselves from all of this. Before a Levitical priest could even go into the presence of the Holy of Holies, there was a cleansing process that they had to go through. Well, guess what? You're a royal priest. You're not a Levitical priest. You better get your cleansing on. You guys are royalty. And you should treat that responsibility with the utmost of respect. Because it's a high honor. It's a very high honor that we have to serve in his courts. I thank you all. My name is Revelation Rock. And I have received revelation from this word over and over and over. He just continues to reveal more and more and more. And I am so amazed at what he will do with our faith if we will just trust him and just press in, press in, press in and don't stop. Whatever you do, stop stopping. Quit quitting. Get going. You can do it. You can have a tremendous, beautiful, wonderful, amazing, incredible, intimate relationship with a king. And that is such a tremendous thing. It is such a high honor. It is such a privilege to have that type of closeness, that type of an intimacy, that type of a, of a way that you can be in the way, the truth, and the life. You have a way to be in the way. And this is it. It's through intimacy. Why do you think I'm so excited about the fact that I've committed to this praise, prayer, decree, and declare and getting the, the radio show going? Because uh, it's really not a show. If you would have heard the things that were shared this morning, there are people opening up giving testimony now in this, in this morning time that was just outstanding today. People from Zion, Illinois, and, and people from around Milwaukee that have, have never been on before that are starting to open up their hearts in intimacy, loving Yahweh first and loving their neighbor as themselves, having love relationship even as the scriptures have said being the true bride it's because we open up these platforms and these abilities for people to go through the exercises of 
of having to read and having to lead and having to ask questions and having to be able to, to, to be the prayer opener and to be the one that does the praise and to be the one that does the worship and to be the one that, that does the decreeing and the declaring and, and, and to be the one that's going to give exhortation and correction. We do so much through these phone lines in developing intimacy because truly we are getting all of all of those unfaithful relationship patterns crucified, destroyed, wrecked. Get them out of there. All the dysfunction that's been passed on to us, generational curses, we break them right now by the blood of Yeshua. So that we can be in right relationship. Hallelujah. I am so excited. And, you know, for future reference, if somebody knocks on my door and I got to go somewhere for a second, I tell, and I put it on pause, hey, jump in by the power of the Spirit and, and go ahead and, and give a word, give, a, give something. If anything else, make a request to give that Yahweh.love, <laughs> you know, and take an offering at that time. I'm on, I'm on mute anyway if I got to talk to somebody. You know, Scribe has got stuff going on. If he's in the middle of a message and gets interrupted, go ahead and jump in. Cover for him. Don't make it an awkward moment. Let the spirit keep flowing. Take an offering. You know, offerings are worship too. Can a man rob Yahweh, says Malachi 3? How have we robbed you? Through the tithes and the offerings. Because people don't give. It's amazing. Now some, some of you are starting to give. And, and we respect that. We appreciate that. But trust me. You're not giving for me. You're giving so that number one. You're not robbing Yahweh. It's a Torah instruction. It's a rule. Don't rob Yahweh. Give. Yeshua goes further uh, through Paul in the Acts and he says that Yeshua says it's better to give than it is to receive. Y'all want to receive. That's why you pray, right? You ask for things. You're asking him to bless you with this and bless you with that. And bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. But when he says, don't rob me, how have we robbed you? Because you're not giving so that the storehouses are full so when the next homeless situation, hurting situation, or whatever comes up, that we can say, oh yeah, we got $10,000 in the Love Inc. account right now, and we can go ahead and we can be a good Samaritan and put you up in the hotel. Now, we'd rather not put people up in hotels. We'd rather have enough house of worships out there across the country as this vision of, of, of a house network across the country that Scribe and I shared this vision back in 2008 already. We were starting to see that house church or a house movement was a much more intimate way than these big, huge gobble up the money places. I mean, just in and of itself, think of the logic of why Yahweh would not be behind most megachurches or most big buildings. They cost more to heat. 
They cost more, more, more on every scale. And most places that do ministry, they don't teach 24 chapters on a Sunday morning. They don't even teach a whole chapter. They meet twice a week, a Wednesday night and a Sunday. A lot of your Lutheran churches, whatever, they meet just Sundays. And pretty much there's not a whole lot going on throughout the rest of the week. So they got this big mortgage, they got this big heat bill, they got all this stuff, property taxes, and why they get the property taxes are waived, I suppose. But I'm just saying they got all this overhead, and you know what the average statistic is out there? Is that 90% of the money, between 80 and 90% of the money is gobbled up from just maintaining a building and paying all the salaries of the staff of those churches. which leaves them with less than 10% to do other things. Like help the hungry and the hurting and the homeless. And some of them are so big, you know, the Lutherans, the Catholics, whatever, they're so big and they have so much money that even the 10% they got is pretty big compared to what a pure ministry like ours is set up to just give everything back that we got. We just turn around and reinvest it right back into, into where it's supposed to go in kingdom. That's what I really, really see. And you might say, well, what does this have to do with love? It has to do everything with love because it's a matter of when you're in a relationship with someone, are you the giver or are you the taker? Yahweh says, don't rob me in Malachi 3. Well, obviously, robbing someone is taking from them. So if you aren't giving up your 10%, so if you got $100, simple math, you take 10 and you give it to Yahweh. Now, if you don't want to give it to Love, Inc., if you think there's a better place to put the $10, and that's the sad part, is a lot of people, I counsel them, I minister to them nonstop, and when they go somewhere, then on a Sunday, they'll go somewhere else, they'll actually give there. When I do all the work all week as the minister, they'll go give at that other church, but then they'll come to me to get help, to get off of drugs, to be able to, to learn how to, how to be a person, how to, to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a parent, how to be, how to be, how to be, how to be. They're going to get all the counsel from us, but they're going to give the offering to some minister who's already got a, a big $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 salary. They pay for his house. They pay for his car. He's got no expenses whatsoever. And they send the money to that guy. Sounds kind of insane, doesn't it? But you know what? I'm used to the abuse of what goes on in the body. This has been going on for as long as I can remember, and that's why Scribe and I got this vision, because we were getting stirred in the heart already in 2008. That's almost 10 years ago now. We were starting to see that a house model, we don't have an extra mortgage. We don't have a heat bill, an extra heat bill. We don't have an extra water bill. We don't have to buy all of those extra things because you're going to do all those things in your house anyway. Yeah, your bills might go up a little bit. When we had everybody living in our house uh, and running a rehab out of the house, if you're going to run 
transformed in, yeah, a lot of it went up $200 a month, which basically doubled it. It was 200 already. It went to 400 So, you know, people don't think of these things. So I guess that's why we got to say them sometimes because we don't want anybody to be guilty of robbing Yahweh. So maybe you don't realize that it takes money to be able to do these things. He describes a driver that yet everybody expects, even though he's a professional driver and that's what he does for a living, everybody expects him to do bus ministry, but nobody ever wants to give a tithe or an offering so that he can make a payment on that $600 a month vehicle, or almost six, probably with the insurance. If you added the insurance, uh, definitely 600 bucks a month for that Actually, nice vehicle Rock, that he Yeah. Actually, Rock, not, not to interrupt, but Brittany has thrown me a couple, uh, a couple of offerings from time to time, and it's been greatly appreciated. And, you know, Jesse as well. So it's, I, I know what you're saying, and I'm not, I'm not contradicting. Okay. Oh, I'm not. I'm not rebuking. To... I'm not rebuking them or or anybody on the line. But I'm putting out there. This is a pre-recorded broadcast that's going to go out, and there are people that are are calling in and listening in that are hearing these pre-recorded messages. So I'm not specifying any one person. If it applies to a person, and they're falling short in that area, then I hope the Holy Spirit convicts you. I'm not trying to send any guilt or shame. I'm trying to send right, Holy Ghost conviction. Right you know, to anybody that falls short. And I'm not trying to brag on Scribe, even though I love the guy and I think he's he's the awesome person for all the, the giving that he's done over the years of his time and efforts and his vehicles and his house. He opened up his house for several years and we ran, you know, uh, a homeless, you know, shelter uh, out of his, his house. You know, I'm not trying to brag on him for that. I'm just saying I think that these things are what we should be doing and he's done them I've done them but then for those that aren't doing that uh, definitely they should be supporting that and they should be giving you know and right now you know we've got a goal to set up several houses there's several houses actually waiting for us there's a farm waiting for us I mean I, I need the workers for both the time, I need your time. Anybody that's listening on any pre-recorded broadcast, wherever you hear, I need your time and I need your money because that's what's going to get stuff done. If we're going to be doers of the word, it, you need both time and money. I'm sorry. That's the world we live in. Now, if you have, you know, a chicken and you don't have no money, but you want to give your chicken, you can give your chicken, okay? I don't care. And you know what? That's a lot of times what, what we've encouraged people to do. They're like, well, I don't got no money, but, you know, I got food. It's like, great. Bring it into the storehouse. Share it with everybody. Well, I don't got no money, but I got a car and I can give people rides. Great. If you're doing that as your offering because you've got a vehicle and, and before Brittany does you know, the, the transformed recovery and deliverance uh, meeting on a Friday night, if she goes ahead and sets up a schedule to do bus ministry and she goes and picks up a van full of people before the service, hey, welcome aboard. That's what we've been doing for all these years. I started doing bus ministry in 1990. And actually, I was doing it before that 
for Narcotics Anonymous. I never went to NA meetings alone. I would swing by and pick up two or three or four addicts to get my car full and bring everybody to the meeting. That way I always knew there would be a meeting. And you know, a lot of times I'd get to that meeting and no one else would be there except for the people I brought. So I always make sure I got church going on. I'm going to have it going on whether anybody else shows up or not because I'm going to bring the people to make sure there's some people come. And really that's how we've outreached to Janesville because a lot of times there was nobody from Janesville that was even there. But we load up the vehicle. So guess what? It's duplicated because now Scribe does it too. He's been doing it for years because, you know, when we do something righteous, when we do something right, people with the Holy Spirit are going to see that and they're going to be a part of that. They're going to want to be a part of that. So I hope this is some good instruction. That's what we're supposed to be doing is instructing brothers and sisters on the way that we should go and what we should do. So I'm going to turn it back to, to Brittany and, and Scribe to be able to pray us out and just say thanks for listening. I love you all. And uh, rock on. Hallelujah. Thanks, Rock. Hallelujah. Brad, you want to close us out in prayer? Sure. And I just want to clarify, Rock, I know you're still listening. The only reason I brought that up is because I know when something like that is said, the adversary is right there, regardless of how small it is, he's going to try to stick that knife in and make it hurt, whether it was intended or not. That's just, that's just who he is, and I just wanted to nip that. So that being addressed, Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, we thank you for an awesome message. We thank you for the energy and the love that came across in this message today, Father. And we just ask that as those that listen to it on pre-recorded message, as a pre-recorded radio, uh, radio experience, Father, that they would be anointed and drawn closer to the truth and encouraged along their path as you would see fit. In the name of Yeshua, amen.